So if you have your Bibles, please turn them to the book of Romans. We're going to be in Romans chapter 11. We are picking up at verse 30. Pretty cool. As it's almost 11.30, we're going to start reading from Romans 11, verse 30. Stand with me if you're able to, please. What we're going to do is open by reading the passage at hand. Then we'll discuss certain key points as we go. I'm also going to be referring to, as you see here, the model in front of us. What is this called? The tabernacle. We're going to be referring especially to this thing. What's this thing called? For you guys on the camera, you probably can see. The bronze altar. In the Old Testament, it was a bronze altar. It's a picture of the New Testament what? The cross of Jesus Christ. So we'll look at that. And we're going to pick up again at Romans chapter 11, verse 30. My aim is to end everything at 12 noon here for both sides. 11.30, Romans 11, verse 30 says, For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is a reasonable service. And so, Father, we thank you, God, that you've gotten us through these 11 chapters, this doctrinal portion of this book, the learning, the understanding of how we're saved how we are justified by Jesus Christ. There's no works that we can do. Only only works that we can do is to sin. We thank you that you've opened up our understanding too, Lord. For us here, predominantly Gentiles in the Christian church, Lord, we know that there is a partial blindness that you've given to Israel, but also at this time, you're waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come in. And so, Lord, during this window of opportunity, you allow us to receive your mercy that we might receive salvation, eternal salvation. We thank you. We praise you for that. But Lord, we ask that you continue to open our understanding of your holy word. Open up these things for us. Encourage us, God, and equip us through your holy word. Teach us your word of truth, for we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You guys could have a seat if you would, please. So the Jews had a bunch of main offerings that they would minister in the times of the temple. Again, I, as I open up, I'm going to be referring a little bit here to this thing. Again, what do we call this setup here, this model? This is the, the tabernacle. This is the predecessor to the temple. And you know here uh, in this church and really with Calvary Chapels, we love 
studying end times prophecy, which leads us, as we study the tabernacle, we study the first temple, which is throughout the Old Testament time, the second temple, which is the temple that was there at the time of Jesus, it leads us through the study of the entire Bible into even the future, the coming third temple that the Jews are going to have. So I love studying this. I highly encourage you to look at it. But the Jews had five main offerings that you'll find in the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapters 1 through 7. In chapter 1, in Torah, the book of the law, we open up by understanding that there's this thing called the whole burnt offering, really called the burnt offering. But when you compare and contrast with many of the other offerings that were given, this one, you had the whole animal that was not only killed, bled, sacrificed, cut up, but the whole animal was placed upon the bronze altar. So it got to be known or called the whole burnt offering. It's AKA or also known as the continual burnt offering. So this is also an offering that you would have burned there and is it done? No, <laughs> just let it burn. How long? Continually. In fact, not just the individual offerer would offer up this, but in the morning, the priest would have a regular daily ministration. Every morning, they would wake up, and then for all of Israel, all of God's people, they would give the morning offering. And what would they do? They would sacrifice a lamb, and it would burn there, how long? Continually, all morning, all day. And at nighttime, in the evening time, what would they do? The same thing. They would offer it up for all of Israel. Great picture, as that animal would burn continually upon the altar, upon the hearth. It's as if it's a picture of Jesus. You are the Lamb of God. Burn in my heart all morning, all day, all night and into the night. So there's this imagery here that we need to tap into. This offering called the whole burnt offering, again, you'll find it in Leviticus chapter 1. We're not going to study that in depth and detail. You can go and read it. Some of you guys remember when we studied through it. It's called a whole burnt offering, but it was symbolic of a person wholly giving themselves over to God. Continually giving themselves over to God. Not just a, well, this is, I'm going to be a weekend warrior. I'm going to dedicate and consecrate my life to you and serve you just on Sunday for one hour. After that, hey, game day, baby. Rest of the week is mine. No, you would not have that. And by the way, that doesn't make sense even. So this offering, this spoke of dedication. This offering spoke of a consecration. And I'm going to repeat those two words, a dedication. You were dedicating your life to God and you were consecrating. Consecration, that's a priestly term. So you would consecrate, you would give yourself over to the Lord for his service. So think of this imagery, because it's this imagery and this offering that Paul is now tapping into as we open up the applicational part of the book of Romans. We've got to understand this. Paul himself, being a Jew, he's tapping into this. You'll find a lot of Jewishness in this. And just this very first verse, as we turn the corner, and now in Romans 12, after getting through chapters 1 and 11, which is basically the doctrinal portion of the book, from that understanding and that receiving and believing, now we have the applicational part. And that's chapter 12, verse 1. So Paul's tapping into this imagery. 
And when you think of what God has done with you and I, let's get back to the text. Look how he's closing out the chapter, even how we open up our message here today. In Romans 11, we were once disobedient to God. That was me. Was that any of you guys? Okay, We're disobedient to God. I was like a Jonah. I first served in the Jonah ministry, I would say. God said, go this way. What would I do? Go that way. God said, go that way. What would I do? Go this way. Why? Just because. I, would anybody like that? In your first years walking with God, trying to serve me? Like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> Thank you. I wasn't, the, I wasn't the only one in the Jonah ministry, as I would call it. So as Gentiles, you and I were disobedient to God. But instead of punishment, guess what God gave us? Oh, mercy. His marvelous, miraculous mercy. Anybody praise God for His mercy? Mercy, simply put, is not getting what you deserve. Parents understand this. Hopefully you understand this. Hopefully it's not all legalism. Sometimes you got your kids, you're like, oh, you deserve the papals. But daddy and mommy could give you mercy. <laughs> Let's talk about this. <laughs> so instead of punishment, God gave us what? He gave us mercy. And notice this here. Look what it says in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Think about this. The riches of God. Oftentimes you'll hear in Christendom today, which is really heretical, you talk about the riches of God. And what are they talking about? The bling, the money. That's not biblical. And you look at the context of the text. Look what it says again in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches. What kind of riches? It tells you both. What are these two things? The wisdom and the knowledge of God. So the person that's the lover of money, abusing money, running after the money, like, going, wait a second, this isn't talking about money at all. Exactly. What about these riches? How about this God that was so merciful, as we've been studying for now 11 chapters, we deserve to die publicly, like how our Christ Jesus died on the cross publicly for us, right? And even with a placard saying, don't do this, Here's Drew. What did he do? A bazillion sins. You need a huge plaque. <laughs> It'd even say, you know, like a website, click here for more. And then you go, and there's like <laughs> 10,000 things. <laughs> Don't do this. So what did this guy do? He sinned. So I deserved to die on a cross publicly, to be put on public display. Why? Because I sinned. And in Judaism, guess how many sins you would do to deserve death? One sin. Think about that. So again, as we're talking about the five main offerings in Judaism, Leviticus chapters 1 through 7, five main offerings, one of them was a sin offering. It was an oops, I sinned. It wasn't a, I'm going to purposely, proactively sin. There was, guess what, no payment for that. Isn't that interesting when you study Judaism? Like, God don't look, I'm going to sin. There was no payment for that. It was an oops, I broke your, your word, your law, and... I forgot, and now it's brought to my knowledge. Guess what I'm now commanded, demanded to do? I must take my sacrifice and go to the tabernacle, or the time of the temples, the temple. But instead of punishment, God gave you and I mercy. Think how awesome that is. And because of this rich wisdom and knowledge that he has, he gave you and I as Gentiles mercy by doing what? Saving us. By putting his son on the cross in your place. Remember Barabbas? Give us Barabbas. Remember that story? You and I took the cross of 
or Jesus took the cross of Barabbas. This is a picture of you and I. Barabbas was a convicted, condemned criminal. He was set up to be crucified. And guess what happened? He got let go, and Jesus took his cross. That's a picture of you and me. So God gave mercy to you and I by saving us. So that what? So that by the Jews seeing you and I worshiping this this God that the Jews knew about and wrote about for your benefit and mine, that the Jews would see this and they would go, I'm jealous. <laughs> How is it that you know my God and you know my scriptures more than me? I got to get to know this God. I want to receive his mercy. So I don't have to go and worship and do all these things according to Torah just to be in right standing in God's eyes. You're telling me that Yeshua is Messiah. He fulfilled these things. And all I need to now do is believe, receive, and rest in Him. Exactly. That you and I might receive God's mercy and in walking in His mercy, His grace, His love, etc. The Jews would see us and then what? We would be stirred to stir them, provoke them to what? To jealousy. And that's what we've talked about previously. This is the mercy of God, but this is also the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. That Jews would be provoked to jealousy, and in so doing, Jews would receive Jesus and also gain God's mercy. And if you look at that, through the lens of God the Father, through Yeshua, His only Son, being Messiah, King, Savior, Great High Priest, etc., that not only Gentiles would receive God's mercy, but because of partial blindness that became you know, for Israel, that they have this partial blindness until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. That last number of Gentiles get saved. God is now giving mercy not just to Jews, us Gentiles, and he flipped the script, and now Jews can also receive God's mercy as they look at us and go, you guys are crazy, but I want that. Because <laughs> in Judaism, there is no joy like you and I have, because this is the joy of the Lord. It comes from God through Christ Jesus. Amen? This peace that passes understanding that will guard our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It does not make sense in Judaism. And you can't access that. Why? Because it's the peace of God. I first have to make peace with God through the cross of Christ. Through his sacrifice. And we'll discuss that in a little bit. So God gives both sides mercy. How brilliant is that? And this is what Paul's tapping into as we close out Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depth, he says in verse 33, of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Who could figure that out? Only God. That everybody wins in the end. Well, what about the person that didn't receive salvation? They don't win. Yeah. So repent. Receive Jesus Christ. And then what? And then you win. You're with the winning team. So God gave mercy not just to the Jews first, but Gentiles, you and I now. We're in that era, that time of God having the set number of Gentiles that will get saved until the fullness of the Gentiles comes in. And then what? That partial blindness of Israel will be gone. And then it seems like he's going to turn entirely, if not primarily and mostly, his attention towards saving Jews. And that's why when you read the whole book of Revelation, after like you get to chapter 4 and 5, the scene in heaven, is primarily God focusing on what? Not Gentiles, Jews. It speaks of the 144,000 Jews. 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes. By name, he's listing them. God knows how to count. And there's a lot of Jewishness in Revelation. We won't get to that here today. But it's such a brilliant plan where all would win 
in Messiah Jesus. And this is why God is touching Paul's heart here. And I want you and I to get an understanding of this in verse 33 again. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. And then he's quoting a little bit from some Old Testament scriptures. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Hey, how can you and I understand the mind of the Lord? We really can't above and beyond this, can we? So church, raise up your sword, would you? Ladies and gentlemen, the bride of Christ. This is the sword of the Spirit. And this is God revealing to you and I His mind. Above and beyond that, how are you going to know the Lord? Right? How are you going to check and balance? It must be by and through and with God's Word. Amen? Okay, just don't go by my feelings. How, how many of you guys thought it was God, but you turned around later on, it was your feelings, your flesh, your emotions? Has that been any of you? You've got to be careful. Okay, so don't trust your heart. The world, they say, oh, trust your heart. No, don't trust your heart. The heart is evil, deceitful, right? Wicked. Who can know it? And he says here, or who has become his counselor? Oh, I feel guilty of that. Any of you guys do that? Now listen here, God. Don't you see I'm in a lot of trouble? Don't you know? But let me inform you, just in case. I know you're spinning the universe around. And I know you do everything. But come on. Don't you see the pain? Aren't I your kid and you love me, your father? Can you listen to me? And it's as if he's like, oh, do 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 He hears, but he's not going to listen and obey. So if that's you, anybody his, try to be his counselor? <laughs> Does he listen? <laughs> He'll hear it, but he doesn't obey it, right? It's like, good thing. How many of you guys know that that pain he put you through or allowed was God's growth plan for your life? That brought about a sweetness, a maturity, and then later on you're like, thank you God that you didn't answer my infantile, juvenile prayer. But you allowed me to heal. What does that do? What does that cause me to do? Zip the lip. Like, okay, you're Lord. Like we saying, you're Lord, I'm just a servant. Help me to understand, Lord. And help me not to just tell you off. God, you know what you're doing. <laughs> so who has become his counselor? Nobody. Not even the angels. Think about that. And you can't outgive God. Who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. God, I'm doing so much, giving so much, going so much. Oh, you really owe me now. You're going to really bless me. Nope. God's a debtor to no one. Think about that too. By the way, when you give yourself to God, which is found in like the Old Testament uh, whole burnt offering, even what God does with you and I today, we've been bought with a price. What was the price? The blood of Jesus. So guess how much of you he owns? Everything! Right? Someone's like, oh, you get 10%. Yeah, that 10% is his, but in reality, when you bought the slave, you bought what? The family and everything. So think about that. So oftentimes we think of just, oh, i got to give to God the money. God doesn't care about the money. He cares about the heart that's attached to the money. Make sense? Because he knows where our hearts are. And it's not the money. That he's after. All right, let's let's continue on. Notice now in chapter twelve. We're, we're going to get into this in just a bit, but verse thirty-six. I want us to focus on. I'm going to splash something on the display as we just about are to turn the corner, finish the doctrinal part, which is Romans chapter one, verse one through eleven, verse thirty-six, and then we get in the applicational, which is chapter twelve in Romans. But 
Notice verse 36. All things are of God, of the Lord. All things are through the Lord. All things are to the Lord. They're of Him, through Him, to Him. After all, here's some of what God declares to you and I of who Jesus is. I have this on the display. You probably heard me. If you've been in this church for some years, you hear me mention these things all the time. That John 1, Hebrews 1, Colossians 1 declare who is the one that is the creator of all. Who is that? We could say generically God, yes. But specifically, which person of the Holy Trinity? Jesus. Think about that. The the person that claims to be atheist that doesn't believe in Jesus. Guess who created that person? Jesus. Jesus doesn't create atheists. That person chose to not believe. Here's what it says in John one verse three and verse ten. I just you can read the whole chapter later on. I just cooked out the verses. I color coded them in red here. John one verse three. All things were made through him. We're speaking about Jesus. All things were made through Jesus. Yes. The person that you're complaining about. Yes. Your situation. That you're complaining about? Yes. The thing that he's brought into your life that you're accepting? Yes. All things are made through him. And without him, nothing was made that was made. I mean, that should just zip the lip, right? Eternally for everybody, right? Look at verse 10. He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. That's John 1, verses 3 and 10. And here's Hebrews chapter 1, also opening up the chapter here, describing of who Yeshua or Jesus is. It's not just Messiah. What else does it say about him? Verse 2, about Jesus, he has in these last days spoken to us by his son, this is now God or the Father, spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things. Look at this here. Through whom, or through Jesus, also he made the worlds. So some would say it like this. God the Father, through Jesus, being the agent of creation, created everything. Think of everything you could think of, right? And by the way, the Greek word cosmos, words, worlds, okay? He created everything, planets, plants. There's supposedly, I don't know how many galaxies. We, we can estimate, we don't know, only God knows. Tons of planets and stars within each galaxy. We're only in one. And of all the galaxies, God is focusing on which one? This one. And of all the planets and stars in this galaxy, God is focusing on which planet? Earth. And of all of creation, which of God's creation is he focused on? Homo sapiens. Us. Not monkeys. He didn't say, ooh, I'm going to focus on monkeys and I'm going to make something good out of you. You'll become a man. You'll be a rational thinker. You'll have forethought, afterthought. You'll be able to destroy the whole planet. You'll be able to gather up and eradicate total species. Only mankind does that. So he's focusing on us. And then Jesus left heaven, came to this galaxy, came to this planet, and he became one of us, one of his own creation. Isn't that radical? Isn't that crazy to think of? He created us and he's like, okay, Father, I'm going to leave and become one of them. Well, only God could do that. Through Christ Jesus, he did. It says, through whom also he made the worlds. That's Hebrews 1, verse 2. And here's what it says now in Colossians 1, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created, listen to this, all things were created through him and for him. 
All things. What's inclusive of that Greek word all? All. <laughs> Everything, right? The atheist you're talking to that wants to argue with you has their veins puffing now. Don't you know the translations in this man doing it? Blah, blah, blah. God created that person. I get frustrated like that. And if you guys get frustrated and trying to evangelize someone, it's like there might be a blindness there. Pray. Pray that God softens their heart. God created them. Through who? Through Jesus. All things were created through him. And guess what? For him. Don't write anybody off. I was one of those guys growing up where tons of people tried to evangelize to me. and be like, nope, shut up. Zip the lip. I used to be rude like that. And I knew that this is growing up in California. I knew that a lot of Christians did not know the Bible. So I would look at them and say, show me in your Bible these things you're telling me. Inside my heart, I'm really like, okay, I want to know. Because I want to know. But I was just rough like that. Because I grew up with a lot of fake. Even a lot of my friends that were PKs, pastor's kids, like they were all like smoking joints and rolling stuff on their own. Like, that's the partying up on the weekend at my parties. And I'm like, that's not real. Show me something real. So I would talk to Christians, and I realized most of them don't read their Bibles, and they don't know. I, I had no clue of any of it, but I was wanting to know real. Is that any of you guys? Okay. And there's people like that out there. That's why I could have a lot of mercy on them. Why? Because I look at them like, wow, these people are... <laughs> other people might write them off they might seem rough but I think I was a lot more rough than them so have mercy on them have grace all things were created through him and for him notice in Colossians 1 verse 17 and he is before all things and in him all things consist guess how you're being held together it's not your psychiatrist you're going to or the pharmacia <laughs> that you're taking guess who's holding you together Jesus how crazy is this? He was hanging on the cross, these Roman iron nails that were through his flesh, holding him onto this wood. Guess who was holding together the iron, the wood, and this whole planet, and everything else? Jesus. And he did that for you while he's hanging on that cross for your sins. And some people are like, oh, yeah, I'll come to Jesus later on in life. Like, wow, look what he's done for you. Look how awesome he is. In him all things consist. And then back to Romans 11, verse 36. For of him and through him and to him are all things, to whom be the glory forever. Amen. And so after completing the main doctrinal portion of this book, now we step into chapter 12. I'm just going to display this here. This is what you're to be. You're to be a living sacrifice to God. If you've gotten through Romans chapters 1 through 11, and you're receiving this here's what he now tells you i beseech you therefore what's the therefore therefore because of chapters 1 verse 1 through 11 verse 36 therefore or because of all this says brethren was he addressing non-believers no believers you can get to this reading from chapter 1 and you're in believing receiving all the way up to chapter 12 you're not born again and i'm speaking to you guys here in the church was he say by the mercies of God that you present to your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So it says, therefore, why? Because of how awesome God is and how miraculous his mercy is that he would put a partial blindness on Jews, that he would open up Gentiles, you and I, in our understanding that what, what would happen, that we would receive the mercy of God, that what would happen for us, that we wouldn't die and burn in hell and then on judgment day, for all eternity be thrown in the lake of fire. That's mercy. That's what we deserve. Anybody know that? That that's what you deserve? So never talk to God and say, listen God, I deserve this. 
I can't do it because I'm reminded. I deserve the cross. Okay, let me zip the lip and shut up. You know what I deserve? Nothing. <laughs> and what did he do? He had mercy. He had grace. So because of all this, you're now told what you need to do. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Now you may need to hear this. I remember when I became a Christian, we're like so carnal in the world that relationships, doing drugs, all this kind of stuff, we still try to do. And the Holy Spirit was like screaming at me. Stop, stop, stop. I'm like, I try to turn a deaf ear to that. So what does he say here? He uses some Judaism now. He says, present. And this is how we know that Paul being a Jew, he's referring now to this thing in Leviticus chapter 1 of the whole burnt offering or the continual burnt offering. The offering had to be presented publicly before God. They would bring the sacrifice, the animal, to the tabernacle. And there publicly, you would have people... And including the priests, especially, be able to inspect it. It wouldn't be at nighttime. It would be during the daytime. The priest would have to inspect your sacrifice, your offering you're going to give to God. They'd be like, get that lamb away from here. That thing's got three legs and it's, it's got one eyeball hanging out of the socket. It's about to die. You would not sacrifice that to God. You would give God your best. It had to hurt to give. Sacrifice. So it would be open for inspection. And then what? That sacrifice would be presented before God. So he's tapping into the this imagery here, he says to present. And what are you to present? Your bodies. I love this. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. So once you come to Christ, there shouldn't be immorality, sexual immorality, and whatever that we might do with our bodies. For me, it was taking drugs and all the above. But that you and I would present our bodies to him as what? A living sacrifice. Think about that. So we live in a day and age where Someone might come up to us or even in this church or other capacities come in with a gun and start shooting. Or, hey, who are the Christians here? Someone might, might go, you know what? That's the easy way out. I'm right here. Come on, bullet to the head. Make sure you hit it because I don't want to be sitting in, in the ICU. Why? Because that's the quick way out. But how about being a living sacrifice? That every day, dying to self, dedicating yourself. He says, Present. A living sacrifice. So the sacrifice in Judaism was a substitution for you. It was pointed out that it was to be a picture of Jesus. But here instead of an animal being sacrificed, God says what should be the sacrifice? Point. What is the sacrifice that God wants now? Now we got through the, the, the sacrifice of Jesus for your eternal salvation. But now what does he get to in chapter 12? What's the sacrifice now that God is looking for? Point. Don't point to others. If your husband and wife don't point to each other. <laughs> if you don't like your dog at home, my wife's dog. <laughs> Do you know that Jesus gave everything and now was he waiting for? For you. For you. You might think he's your fire insurance so you can get eternal salvation. You could be with him in heaven. But for many of us Christians, especially here in America, because we're into idolatry and self-worship and all, what is he waiting for for so many of us Christians? Stop worshiping self and give ourselves to who? To him as a living sacrifice. And notice he says they're holy. The sacrifice was to be holy. It was to be given up to the Lord and acceptable. In Judaism, your sacrifice wasn't just an action. It had to be accepted by God. How about you? Do you if you give yourself to God, he wants to dedicate you to dedicate yourself and consecrate yourself over to his service. The whole burnt offering in Leviticus 1, four, 
one verse for it says, then he shall put his hand on the head of the burnt offering and it will be accepted on his behalf to make atonement for him. And then lastly, here's what he focuses on. We're out of time here. Verse one at the end, it says, it's your reasonable service. This word for reasonable is the Greek word. Listen to this. Listen. Logikos. That's the Greek word. It's your reasonable service. It's your logikos service. What word in English does that sound like? Logical. It's logical. It makes sense. It's reasonable. That's literally what he's saying. It's the same as our English word logical. It's logical. It's reasonable to serve God in this manner. Hey, after getting through all 11 chapters of Romans, if you're not saved, you know, confess your sins, repent from your sins, keep turning, don't return, keep turning to God, okay, don't return back to those sins, but now allow God to use your life. It's logical, it's reasonable now that to move forward, not just in the book of Revelation, in Romans chapter 12 and on, but it's logical, it's reasonable, it makes sense now I have to dedicate myself to him as a living sacrifice. So why? As you get through the, the, the bulk of chapter 12, we talk about what? Spiritual gifts and serving God. You notice that that can't be done until you're one saved and you're dedicated to God, consecrated to him. And this is what he gets at. So this whole burnt offering, do you wind down to close here? Again, it comes from Leviticus. I'm just going to point out a couple of verses here. Leviticus 1.3, If his offering is a burnt sacrifice of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own free will. Notice that. Right there built in as the book opens for Leviticus. Of your own free will. He can't force you. I can't force you. Believe me, I, I would love to force you if I could. Why? So that you can grow. That your life would finally give glory to God. And no longer self or your whatever. Your job, your education, your degree. I went to Harvard. Who cares? That's going to die. But for eternity, what are you doing with your life in this life while you're alive that you carry forward into eternity? That's what God is waiting for you to give. So what's symbolized here is the offer of giving up your life wholly to God and it was of your own free will. It was a dedication to the Lord. And then in verse 9, I think it's here on the display, the priest shall burn all so that it was a whole burnt offering, as it was called. The priest shall burn all on the offering, or on the altar, as a whole burnt offering. And then verse 14. Again, I, I know that we're out of time. I'm just winding down to close. Verse 14. Notice that in the whole burnt offering, if you couldn't afford a large animal or medium-sized animal, he allowed you to bring what? A bird. <laughs> birds what does that do it kills all excuses how many times I'll talk to someone and it doesn't matter if it's west coast or east coast oh I, I can't serve God well, I don't have time why because I always have to work or I can't do it because I have to make money this was killed in Judaism and we forget this in America this might I don't know it might convict some hearts it convicts my heart it still does where we might go I don't have time to serve you God why because I'm working for the money. So what I might do for the love of money, which is an abomination, I won't do for the love of Jesus. And whatever is your God, whatever is your Lord, will dictate, mandate to you what you do when you wake up, when you go to sleep, everything you do. Think about that, guys. 
So even if a person didn't have much money, they could still dedicate themselves to God and still be consecrated over to serve God. That was this thing that we call the whole burnt offering, the continual burnt offering. It wasn't a matter of, oh, I don't have time. I don't have money. Because then in Judaism, it's like, okay, bring a bird. Oh, okay, I could do that. What does it do? It kills excuses. So how many times, and I believe me, I still got to rebuke those excuses that I find welling up within my head and heart. So we're going to go ahead and close here. And if we can get set up, come and get set up. We're going to close with a song of worship. We're going to close, though, with something that's a, a song of dedication, a song of consecration to God. The context here in Romans 12, I believe, is clear. That after we get through chapters 1 through 11, and after we discover that, hey, you know, the mercy of God that He's given to us and how brilliant His wisdom and knowledge is, it only makes sense. It's logical is what Paul's saying here. And as if, I, I sense like it's as if He would, you know, He's breaking my heart for you guys. Maybe there's someone here. Maybe there's a, a bunch. I'm not sure. But if this is where you're at, where you want to live your life dedicated to Jesus, because again, who He is, His mercy for you, and you want to dedicate your life to Him and be living a consecrated life over to Him as a, again, a living sacrifice. As we close here and do a, a song of worship, you can worship along, but if that's where you're at, then I'm going to invite you to come forward. I want to pray for you. Can we do that? And if it's a whole bunch of you, praise the Lord. We got oil here. We can anoint you with oil too. If that's where you're at though, and the Lord's tugging on your heart, that you would dedicate yourself to Him and live a consecrated life to the service of Him, then I want to pray for you. So because of God's mercy, it only makes sense that you and I be dedicated to the Lord as a living sacrifice and be consecrated to serve Him with our lives. To not dedicate ourselves to God and to not consecrate ourselves to serve Jesus with our lives in this new covenant priesthood, it's, guess what? It's unreasonable. It's illogical. And this is what Paul is getting at here. So let's pray today that we can dedicate ourselves to Him as a living sacrifice. We're just about ready. I'm going to close with prayer. But again, if that's where you're at and you want to serve the Lord, you want to dedicate your heart and life to the Lord, I'm going to invite you to come up while we worship and we just want to pray for you. Father in heaven, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you for your love for us that you would send your only begotten Son, Jesus, our Messiah, our Savior for our sins. And because of Him taking our place on the cross, you gave us mercy. We deserve to die and to be punished for our thousands of sins. And yet, you sent your Son, Jesus, because of your love. It was a motive of love. He took our place. He took our cross. And on top of that mercy that you give to us, you even give us much more grace. We get you for eternity. We get to spend eternity with you. No more tears. No more frustration. We get to spend time with you, even in fellowship now, and with you eternally. We get to be worshipers and servants eternally with you is what you show us. Thank you for your grace. 
Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Everything was created for you, by you, through you. And you're just waiting for us to dedicate ourselves to you. So, Father, we pray, can you please empower each of us, strengthen us for your usage, your glory, yours alone. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.